Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Jack Recider, host of Darknet Diaries. This is OPP. God bless everybody and welcome back to another episode of OPP, Other People's Podcasts, America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Jack Reisider, host of the amazing podcast, Darknet Diaries. This podcast explores true stories of the dark side of the internet, where Jack Reisider takes you on a journey through a chilling world of hacking data breaches, and cybercrime. In this episode, Jack chats with me about the dark side of the web, we get his podcaster's picks, and of course, we get into his dope show, Darknet Diaries. So, without further ado, allow me to introduce you to Jack Rysider. Jack, what's going on, dog? Hey, man. Thanks for having me here. I'm super excited about this. Dude, it's a, it's a pleasure having you on OPP, man. You know, how's life going for you? super i like i did not think i would ever be a professional podcaster but man in the last couple of years my life has changed and this is where it is and i i love it it's so much fun do it it's crazy that like we're living this generation or the next generation is, is going to be a group of people a group of kids who want to be podcasters and this entire generation it didn't exist so, so we're all uh kind of like transplant podcasters we're doing something else in our career yeah yeah, exactly. Uh, how's that adjustment been for you? Well, I'm, I've always wanted to do something creative on my own or, you know, on the internet or something. And so it's what I've always wanted. And so I'm like, I'm overly ripe for this and super ready for it. So I'm adjusting just fine. So, so uh, tell, I, I was obviously based on your podcast, I know that you come from uh, the network security side and, and the technology side, which is something I am not well versed in at all. I'm like a music person. So I would love to ask you some questions to kind of get more of a, a, a more of a story about your background, and how you got into uh, network security. Yeah. So, I mean, I took a, uh, I got a degree in, in computers and then uh, it was just not sure because they teach you a little about, about everything and didn't quite have a mat, like a, you know, a specialty, just a little bit. So I never really landed in a good computer job. But but then I got a, a certificate in networking and started getting good at networking, you know, uh, passing packets around and getting traffic to go here and there, that kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, I got good at that. And then I got a job uh, watching a network to make sure it's it's up and, and stable. And then from there, I, I was able to get learn that there was an opening as a security engineer and moved into that. And I spent 10 years doing network security engineering. So I was uh, basically trying to keep the hackers out of the network. And it's kind of a game of cat and mouse. And 
taking all this knowledge, like during that time, I was blogging a lot too. So I was learning how to like write really complex things as simple as possible. And I was doing that for like 10 years, right? So a lot of blogging and uh, just getting getting used to like explaining things and, and, and teaching people things and stuff like that, I think really got me. And all that knowledge I had of, of my professional knowledge, combine it all together, I think it really gave me that like I'm ready to make a podcast about hacking kind of thing. Tell me what are some of the common... Uh, things as normal consumers that we can do to protect ourselves uh, online? Well, I think the biggest thing is to update your software, right? So your phone, your applications, your operating system, you want to keep that on the latest update that's possible because hackers are going to be exploiting things that are known. Like that's the easiest thing is like, well, what's a known exploit? All this stuff that came out last year or the year before or the year before. But if you're updated and, you know, the software is fixed all that because they know about that vulnerability and they fixed it, then you're immune to all these problems, right? So that's the biggest thing. And I think the next thing you you should do is uh, have complex passwords, different passwords on every website you use. You don't want to reuse passwords. So maybe use something like a password manager, which can give you, you know, a really complicated password for every website that you log into. Because if somebody gets into one thing, you don't want them to be able to get in everything, right? So you want to definitely use different passwords on everything. I think just those two things alone is going to make it a lot harder for anyone to uh, get into your stuff. And the point is you want to make it as hard as possible for people to get into your thing. It's not going to be impossible, but you want to make it hurt for them. Um, for, for the everyday consumer of the Internet, that's amazing advice. What about for people who are, um, you know, on, on the business side of, of having, you know, cyber networks? What can what can they do to, you know, prevent hackers? Well, I mean, there's a lot there, right? So, again, you want to start with just making sure you're updated. You want to have antivirus running on a lot of your systems or some sort of endpoint protection and uh, keep because the users are, are going to be clicking on things that you don't know what they're doing. So you want to make sure that you've got something on each person's machine that's kind of protecting them from spreading anything. And then on your on your servers that you're public, especially publicly facing servers, you want to make sure that you have um, you know, proper practices going on there and you're not doing, you're not having your developers put glaring holes in things and, you know, making, <laughs> making mistakes where a hacker can easily get into things. So you want to have, you know, educated developers making good uh, decisions on what's exposed to the internet and, and, you know, all that stuff and then testing it as well. So you want to come through and, and vul do a vulnerability scan against everything uh, that's a server basically and, Make sure everything is secure there. So it takes a lot of work, and especially as the, the network grows, sometimes there's thousands and thousands of servers. It can be constant work to try to keep it all secure and maybe impossible. Uh, you know, you're, you're an expert uh, in your field of network security, but Jack, like, what keeps you up at night as like, an issue um, in, in this industry or in this field or in this world of network security? Oh, man, so many things. I think, I think the growing... Um, you know surveillance and the the I feel like I feel like at some point you know how we have like a um, like an oil spill or something and it's just like all this oil is just dumped into the ocean and it's like okay well now we have to spend the next five or ten years cleaning this up I think that's the situation currently with our 
uh, private information and everything is just spilling out everywhere and it's, it's, it's a catastrophe. It's a total catastrophe. And we're going to probably spend the next 10 or 20 years trying to clean up our private lives from the internet. And some people are born with it like, oh yeah, when I was a baby, my mom was posting pictures all over the internet and they're just used to this kind of uh, just non, non-private life and, and surveillance being everywhere with cameras pointing at us and trackers and cookies just collecting so much information on everything we do online. But I don't think, uh, I don't think that's going to sustain itself. I think there's going to be some serious problems with that over time. And we're going to learn that that was not a good decision. And to try to put that genie back in the bottle is going to take decades, possibly. And I, I think that's a big concern of mine. You know, uh, ride with me on this one. When I was a kid, I was with my best friend, and we were walking through the uh, streets of Richmond, Virginia, where I'm from. And his dad came and picked us up, and he's a police officer. And as he picks us up, and you know, we're suburban kids, we're in the city. And as a police officer, he's driving us through downtown. And what he sees of the city is completely different from what we see, because we're children or we're just regular civilians. Um, He's saying it over here like, oh, there was someone who was shot over here and that's the drug corner or that's the prostitution corner as we're driving through the streets. And I realized, wow, he sees a totally different reality than what we see. Does, from being in your line of work, do you kind of have more of a um, pessimistic attitude or fearful attitude about the Internet? Do you still kind of see it with these googly eyes uh, the way that a regular person would? Um, yeah, I do. And it, it, it does worry me. I kind of have Cassandra syndrome sometimes where I'm like, this is a big problem. Everyone needs to look at this. And like, nobody seems to be paying attention to things. Um, you know, like one of the things I see sometimes is like kids swatting other kids, right? So they get mad at each other and playing video games and they call the FBI and say, this person needs to be raided for some reason. And then the FBI go and raid their house or, or, you know, SWAT team. And so it's like, I mean, some, some kid have it's like that sometimes they raid the wrong house and people die or sometimes they raid the right house and people die. And it's like, dude, people are dying because somebody's getting mad at each other on video games. And so there's like this, there's a lot of huge problems and, and there's not like a security company trying to focus on solving problems like that. There's nobody looking at the problems that teenagers are facing and how they're hacking their schools or their friends or, or their girlfriends or anything like that. Uh, it's, it's, you know, a bigger business kind of, um, you know, problem that they're trying to solve and not really some of these things that just don't have the budget to, to look into it. And I don't even know what how you would even try to solve something like that, but I just don't see some, I don't see effort putting into some of the things that need to be looked at some points, right? So I do get riled up on things like that. And I get riled up about uh, government, uh, government hacking each other and surveillance and this kind of thing as well. But yeah, it's, I do see it as like, ah, somebody should be, somebody should listen to me on this or something, but I don't know what to do. You know, you brought up a very interesting point there. You know, I, I, I don't have children of my own. Um, so, you know, I didn't have a lot of questions geared towards children. But what about for parents who are listening to this podcast today? Like, what can parents do to protect their children uh, online? Oh, it's hard. It's hard. Um, you know, it's. I think the first thing is just to educate yourself on what kind of dangers there are out there and to understand technology because your kids are going to be growing up with technology everywhere. And if even if you take away all their things, they're still going to find their friends that have those things and they're going to be logging in and doing things on their friends' devices. So it's better to adopt and embrace the technology, if you ask me, and to, to kind of lean into it because you don't want to exclude your kids from what's going on in the world, which is technology. And we, we it's, it's like it's kind of a necessary uh, 
skill to have today is to be able to navigate technology and be able to use computers and phones and everything. So you can't really take it all away because then they don't get it. So you, you kind of have to to give it to give it to them, but then also be aware of what's going on. So, I mean, the best thing is just to be good at technology yourself in order to teach your kids like good hygiene and proper usage of how to use technology um, responsibly. Uh, Jack, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to do your podcast, Darknet Diaries. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Jack, tell me, how did you first discover the medium of podcasting? Oh, man, it was a long time ago. I probably It was probably like 2003 or 5 or something. I got my first iPod. I think it was a Generation 3 iPod. And I was like, well, I guess I got to try putting podcasts on here. And it was such a pain in the neck because you had to get a special cable and download the podcast to your to iTunes and then transfer from iTunes to your podcast. It was not easy to play. But I, I just tried a few and I just didn't like any of them. It was just um, not my style. I couldn't find the ones that I liked. It was real new at the time, too. So people were like kind of clumsy and tripping on each other and nobody really knew how to do it. And so I kind of gave it up until Serial came around and then I started listening to Serial and I was like, wow, what? this is amazing. What else is there out here? So, But I think during all that, I was listening to NPR on the radio, right? So I was listening to um, This American Life was my favorite and then there was Radio Lab and Science Friday and I was like, there's some really good audio here and especially This American Life had, you know, I had those driveway moments where I was sitting in my car after arriving to where I needed to go and just waiting for the story to end without getting out. I realized the power of audio when it, when it can do that to me, when it can affect me in that way where I, I just want to sit in the car and listen to this story for like 10 more minutes. And so I, that, I think that had a big influence on me as I was listening to more audio and getting into podcasts after that. Uh, did you know from listening to to Serial and This American Life and this this early era of podcasting that you would want to become a podcaster yourself? No, it was the farthest thing from my mind. I did not think, I mean, when I was in high school, I thought maybe I could be a radio DJ, but, and I, I practiced a little, but I didn't, I didn't ever think it was going to happen. I just, I don't know. I didn't have anything to say. I didn't have the skills. Like there was just no way that I could ever do that. Um, so yeah, I just didn't think, didn't think it was for me. And still when I had the idea, I didn't think I could do it because those people who make this American life, there's like 20 names in the credits. Like there's no way one person can do all this. So that was kind of what really just made me think I could never do it. For folks who are listening to the podcast, uh, give me the elevator pitch for Darknet Diaries. Yeah. The, uh, the, nine word description is true stories from the dark side of the internet. So I'm taking uh, cyber crime and mashing it into true crime, right? So it's like this hacker did this hack and this is what everything that happened. So I'm doing it with a lot of uh, rich audio and uh, interviews and I try to interview the hacker or the person who got hacked or something who, who was related to it, not an expert, but more of the person who was there. And then I put a lot of you know music behind it as well. So it, 
it's you know influenced a lot by this American Life. If if you're, you're familiar with that show, it's it sounds similar to that, but specifically about hacking. Tell me the origin story of how you decided to make this podcast come together. Well, again, you know, listening to This American Life, I was like, in serial, I was looking around for a podcast that specifically dove into cybercrime, and I couldn't find it. I couldn't, and I couldn't, and I listened to like probably a dozen or two or three dozen uh, security podcasts, but they're all about security news or just interviews on security experts and stuff like that. And so I was like, where is this podcast? Is there such, there's such drama in, in cybercrime. I want to show specifically about cybercrime. And so I gave up trying to find it and decided maybe I can make it myself. Maybe I have to make it myself because I wanted to hear it so bad. I was really into podcasts at the time. I was listening to podcasts like every single day. And I'm like, I want to hear this show. So it was one of those just scratch my own itch kind of things. I often wonder, you know, I, I say this about podcasts all the time. The beautiful thing about them is that, you know, it's an opportunity to either rebrand yourself or enhance the brand you've already created for yourself. How has this show helped your career, you know, being that you come from a background of, you know, cybersecurity? I, I, so I was able to throw my resume out. <laughs> like there's no there's no there's no need for it anymore because people I mean, I, at this point, I'm two years into this and there's 200,000 listeners of the show. And a lot of them are in the security field where I spent, you know, my I went to university to do and I spent 10 years as, in that field. So it's like that's my whole profession. I put everything into security. And now a huge part of the people who listen to my show are security professionals. And they're they're anywhere from the the owner of the company all the way down to the receptionist, right? So they're all over the place in that security field. And like, if I ever needed anything or if I wanted to do consulting work or am I looking for a job or something, I people have listened to 57 episodes. They know what I know. They're familiar with my knowledge. And, you know, total strangers get on LinkedIn and they start, um, you know, uh, what is it? Um, verifying that I know these skills, right? Like people I don't know, but because they've heard me talk about it in such a, a knowledgeable way, they know I know it. So, you know, I'd, I would just have to simply say, hey, I'm looking for a job and I don't want a podcast anymore. And I'm sure I would get tons of emails without having to look for a job at all, right? And I could write whatever it is I want, like, oh, I want to work from home or, I, you know, I'm in the city or whatever it is. And, and I'm sure I would get tons of people because I have the audience to tell, and they know who I am. And there's this connection. There's this real intimate connection in podcasting. You get to know the person um, that you're listening to over time. And you just, you feel connected to them. So I think, yeah, like I, I, maybe I would need the resume as I'm actually going through the job, but not to like get my foot in the door anymore, right? So that I think has been amazing that I've just become like a known figure in the space. You know, you're you're over two years into this amazing podcast. Has there been a story, um, in particularly that that you've covered that has struck more of an emotional chord with you? Um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, there's. I, I keep trying to one up myself on all these stories, right? And so I, I dig deeper and I go deeper and I find things that I never heard of or saw before in my professional career, and things come up. And so there was this one where there was a 17 year old kid who. Um, actually, he maybe he was 15 or 16, but he hacked his school and got in a lot of trouble. And uh, you hear, you hear like 
you hear like, oh, a hacker did this and, you know, took down the school's website or something. And you, you all these images come into your mind already, right? Like, okay, well, was he at home wearing a hoodie in his mom's basement or whatever? You know, what was it and what... And why did it happen and all these things? But, you know, I interviewed him and we heard about all the reasons that it happened and how it happened and why and where. Like it was in fifth period class on a tablet. It was it was in the, in the back of the class. The teacher was not paying attention when he hacked into the a whole school's website. Like it's it was such a, it's it's just I don't know. It made you think like, wow, this is this is a dangerous thing and there's these people who who just don't have any sort of filter on that that's bad i shouldn't do that they just go 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 and um yeah it's hard to it's hard to hear because it's almost cringy of like oh it's such a dumb idea but then it's true and this is what happened and you know they get caught for this reason and goes to court for and has this fallout and all these things and it was just a really weird um, you know roller coaster of I don't know how to solve this problem kind of thing. Because you asked me at the beginning, hey, how, what's the best thing for this and that? Man, I don't know what to tell this 15-year-old. Like, wait three more years and then get a job when you're 18. Like, three years of waiting when you're 15 is, like, forever. Especially when you're just so hungry to, like, do something in tech and you're bored out of your mind in school. It was a, it was a wild story that I just was flabbergasted by. You know, uh, Jack, what do you want listeners to walk away with after uh, listening to an episode of Darknet Diaries? I think one of my biggest motives of making the show is to teach more people more things. So, um, you know, I kind of said, like, you get these images in your head of what a hacker is when you just hear them some story. But I really lean into it. And we go into that one story for an hour and you come out of it knowing so much more but really not sure what side to be on anymore. Are you? Did the hacker do the right thing, or you know, or or was uh, what did the defender? What did they deserve it? Or you know, like you, the more you know about something, sometimes the harder it is to know which side is right because you you weigh it all and you still don't know. And so you learn about hacking and how computers and technology runs our world and how. Um, you know, how people got in, like we'll go through each keystroke sometimes and say, hey, tell us, tell us what exactly it was. And, you know, it's amazing how simple it is. You know, sometimes you just find somebody's password on the, on a napkin and you just grab it. And that was it. That's the whole hack. Like what? Like, like how can you secure that? Like, uh, don't write your password. Like, it's so weird. All the different reasons why people hack and ways they hack. So I think it's just a very educational process to hear, uh, you know, about the technology and how, how it works in our world today. Uh, so, Jack, we've come to a point called our podcasters picks. Now, this is when I ask the special guests of this episode to provide me with three of their favorite podcasts that they, that they enjoy that we should be listening to. So, Jack, give me some podcasts. Give me three podcasts that you enjoy and describe them to the audience. Okay. So I think the one I keep coming back to is one of my favorites is Revisionist History um, by Malcolm Gladwell. And this one is really wild because uh, Malcolm kind of has, it's almost like a philosophical, like, let's think about this problem in a new way, or let's, let's turn everything on its ear and look at it in a totally different way. And you, you come out of it and think, like, there was this one episode about country music. I don't like country music, but I came out of the episode loving country music, right? <laughs> like, it's so, it's so, you, if you look into it just with the right eyes, you can really appreciate it. And so I, I get, my mind is transformed when I listen to revisionist history. 
Um, another one is called Have You Heard of Have You Heard Georgia's Podcast? And I wonder, Corey, have you heard this one? No, I've not. Have you heard Georgia's podcast is is pretty phenomenal. It's it's a work of art. And um it's sort of it's you know, it's it's rich in in production like This American Life, but it goes that extra mile. And George is um he he raps and he's poetic. It's George the poet who makes this one and he he just he the, the, the it's just so amazing because the, the way he raps and, and does his poetry through the show but then with the with the interviews that he does and with the people that he talks to it's like all rhyming and it's and it's there's so much music involved and it's just fantastic show and so uh that one i'm just really blown away by like i have to, i listen to one and then i kind of stop and say whoa what did I hear? Like, you, it's not one of those binging things. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Let me let me process this for a while. So that one is really cool. And then, um, and then there was one I was just listening to recently called "Hunting Warhead," which is about a uh, investigation into some some crimes that went on in the dark net. I'll just say that, and uh, it's interesting to see how they tracked this person down and found them, and how they got arrested and that sort of thing. That's right up my alley, right? So that's kind of one why I really like that is because how do you get how do you get discovered when you're trying so hard to be hidden online? And um, that's what they do. There's there's a hacker named Warhead. Well, I don't know if he's a hacker, but he he committed some serious crimes on the darknet named Warhead, and they they hunt him down. And it's a wild story. Wow. And uh, Jack, before we get out of here, why do you podcast, brother? Oh, man. I love the feeling of doing something creative and then to have someone appreciate it in a way that's like impactful to them. And there's just that feeling when somebody just says, thank you for making what you make. It's changed me in this way or that way. Like people say they've changed their career or something based on what I've said. And I... It's just so profound to hear that I that I'm influencing and, and teaching people and changing lives. Like there's nothing that is similar to that. That feeling of just doing something positive in the world is just fantastic. So that's the biggest reason I think. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of O P P to our special guest Jack Rysider. Be sure to check out his amazing podcast, Darknet Diaries, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is produced by Justin Richards. Music for this episode is produced by Richie Quake. Are you down with OPP? If so, be sure to check out opp.news for the latest in podcast news and releases. And while you're still listening, how about giving me a five-star rating and leaving me a comment in the Apple app? It'll truly mean a lot. Well, I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. God bless everybody. Till next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.